Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions, visit us on the web, www.theporchchurch.tv. Well, as Greg said, we're doing things a little bit backwards today, and that has to do with our subject matter. It doesn't have to do with the fact that I had two weeks off of preaching, and now I just have way too much creative energy, and so I have to mess everything up, I promise. Uh, But we're going to talk about rest today, and so our hope is, I know that you haven't even had your coffee yet, so you might still be in a restful state. Put on your thinking caps with me. We're going to dive in here, and then we're going to take the rest of our time to kind of practice what we preach, which is kind of like a good thing to do in church, is it not? Oh, maybe it's not. Okay, fair enough. Well, you're going to learn something today then. That's a good thing to do in church. We should practice what the dude up front says. Right, here we go. So this week, we had a blizzard. I don't know how many of you are aware of that. I'm guessing it impacted your schedule uh, to some degree. We were just reflecting over the fact that while we had tons of snow, that bomb cyclone, as they're calling it, moved through the plains and is causing devastation and flooding all kinds of stuff. But, But I don't know how you felt over those two snow days. I can tell you how I felt because I was intimately aware of what was going on. I did not enjoy the snow days, right? All the parents said amen, right? All of a sudden, we have to figure out how to change schedules and how to get to work. Never mind, can't get to work, tried to get to work, got stuck on the way to work, all those kinds of things. School's canceled, and it's canceled for a second day, which two days at home, uninterrupted with my children, is a sanctifying experience, right? Like it's, I was praying more than I've ever prayed. That's what I want you to know. And in the midst of that, though, I I kind of found myself getting angry. I was so inconvenienced by these two days. I had to reschedule meetings. I had to remap out my entire day. My kids were annoying the snot out of me. And at one point, I just kind of stood back and I went, what is going on inside of me that really we've kind of been given this gift, right? It was like a free weekend, right? Work maybe didn't expect you to come in or at least to work remotely and and school was canceled. And so it was kind of just this window to where we could spend time together as a family. And at one point, my kids were begging me to play board games. Dad, can we play Monopoly, which is like a 16-hour game, No, we can't play Monopoly. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. That's how families get torn apart is Monopoly. (laughs) And I I found myself just going, what is going on inside of me that the inconvenience of this snow and the blizzard and the work changes that I have to make, what's going on inside of me that doesn't make me lean into these experiences? What makes me feel like this thing that could very well be viewed as a gift, as a free weekend, as a free opportunity for uninterrupted family time, all of a sudden became a curse to me? All of a sudden became something that I dreaded, something that was tearing away at my soul instead of building it up. So I want to talk today about rest and our spiritual journey. We're in week seven of a series that we've been following after a book by the same name called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And we've been looking at these broad themes that make us emotionally healthy and how those kind of converge with our spiritual journey. We've talked about tough love. We've talked about suffering and grief over the last couple weeks. And as we've been walking through this series, as we've been walking through this study, there's kind of been one theme that 
that keeps coming up again and again. And it's this theme of, of in order to be emotionally healthy and spiritually mature, there has to be time that allows us to sink into these deeper questions. There has to be times of rest and reflection. There has to be times to kind of take inventory of what we're feeling and what's going on. And again, in our world, in my world, so much of my life and time is spent go, 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 push, get more done, have more things going on to fill the time that I have with every producible thing that makes something for itself. But to find time to stop and to take an inventory, man, that's hard work. That, that takes a, a different skill set. That's something that I'm still learning to put into place. How do I feel about what's going on in my life? How should I feel about what's going on in my life? What do I do if the way that I'm feeling isn't matching up with how I should be feeling? Like a snow day with my kids that feels like chaos instead of feeling like a blessing. And as we've been going through this series, it's just kind of been reverberating over and over again that that takes a set period of time. It takes a space carved out. It takes a sustainable rhythm of rest and of connecting ourselves with God in order to be emotionally healthy and spiritually mature. All right, so this last weekend, last weekend, like yesterday, sorry, uh, I flew my kids home for spring break. My parents were willing to take them, Lord bless them, because they would not have survived spring break if they were in my house. And, uh, and so I flew on a plane. It's a cheap flight, Frontier. I wouldn't recommend it, but it's super cheap. And uh, so we flew one direction on Friday, and usually I just turn around on the same flight. I meet my mom at the gate. She takes the kids. I give her a hug. 30-second life update. It's beautiful. The kids go away for the week, and uh, I come right back on the same plane that I just flew in. I get some weird looks from the flight attendants, like, weren't you just here with two children? <laughs> nope, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you are going crazy. Um, so, uh, but I dropped off my mom and said, hey, can you just like stay an extra day? Can you stay Saturday? They were doing the St. Patrick's Day parade, which they contribute to as a part of Special Olympics. And so I, I, I threw gritted teeth. I said, okay, fine. And in the midst of that process, I found the same emotion that was going on on this blizzard day, that I was going, no, I have so many things to do. I have so much calendar time to take care of. I have so many things to push for and to plan for that I don't have time to take a day to just, like, hang out. I don't have time to take a day to just stop and to be. I have too many things to plan for. One of the things on my mind is a big meeting that we're having in two weeks right here at the church, March 31st. We're asking everybody who's a part of the porch to make plans to be here on March 31st. We're going to do a potluck, and uh, I got corrected that we're not going to do uh, the sign-up genius because that's too much work. So we're just going to do uh, A through N brings a main dish, O through Z brings a side dish. So use your last name unless you don't like what you're assigned, then use your first name. And uh, you can just make the choice there. And then we're going to serve together after that, more on that to come on that date. But all of these things are just rushing through my head, and I'm going, man, I just don't have time to take a rest. I don't have time to stop. I don't have time to spend an extra day in my hometown with my parents going to the St. Patrick's Day parade, not high on my list. And again, I'm noticing these recurring themes in the midst of speaking to you about how important rest is and how important we ought to do this and going, man, I don't think I do this well. I don't think I have margin in my life to be able to walk through these places. Maybe you can relate. Maybe your calendar is always full and the simple request of asking it not to be is painstaking. 
And if I've learned anything over these last couple weeks digging into this kind of idea of emotional, of emotional health and spiritual maturity, I'm going, man, rest is critical. Rest is key. And not only is rest critical and key, it's actually commanded. It's like something that God gives us to practice. So today, I just want to lay the foundation for what we're going to do next by saying this. Rest is an essential part of our emotional and spiritual health. Rest, taking time away, rest from, a, from the grind of our day-to-day living, rest is an essential part of both our emotional and our spiritual health. And again, this isn't just my idea, this isn't just some book that we're pulling from, this is actually God's God-given idea and created design for us. Jesus says as much in Matthew chapter 11, this may be familiar to you, starting at verse 28, Jesus speaking says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me and you'll find rest. Come to me, Jesus says, and there is a rest for your souls that I give out, that I give freely, that I desire for you to have. I would go so far as as we're walking through this to say, if we're not good at resting, then we're not good Christ followers. Because Christ says, this is what I'm about, is giving you rest for your souls. Maybe that's why you're here today. It may not be your explicit reason, but maybe as we're having this conversation, as you think about the rhythms in your life, you're able to go, yeah, you know what? When church is a place that I find spiritual rest, that I find solace for my soul, that I find this opportunity to connect with God in a new and different way, that I take time out of my week to do something significant that I don't always take time to do, like rest and care for the deepest parts of me. And again, Jesus is just quoting what God originally put in place. When we talk about God's original design and what he put in place, we get a very, very religious word, right? It's the word Sabbath. And don't tune out that word, but Sabbath is actually one of the Ten Commandments. So much so that it's actually based on what's actually in the text. It's the largest of the Ten Commandments. Here's what I mean. I just put this scripture up. We're not going to read all Ten Commandments, but the highlighted words there, those are the words that apply to this this idea of Sabbath and rest. He has to explain it more and more and more. It's as if he knew that we would buck this trend to take a day of rest and to be with him, to focus on our self-care. It's explicitly laid out, and he gives all kinds of caveats about why this is so foundationally important, which brings me back to me and hopefully to you if you're with me. So why is rest so elusive? Why is it so hard to do? Why does everything push us in the direction of going and achieving and producing and doing more, more, more when God calls us towards rest, towards peace, towards Sabbath, towards rest for our souls? See, Sabbath is Chick-fil-A. You know what I'm talking about, right? 
First time I came to church here, first time on Sunday, actually, it was one of my first Sundays here, and we were going out with some new people from the, not new, we were new, the new people. They were taking us out to lunch, and they said, okay, we can go anywhere but Chick-fil-A. Now, I grew up not having Chick-fil-A. There's no Chick-fil-A's in the Dakotas. They just don't exist there, and so I was a bit offended by this. I was like, I, I, but I want to go to Chick-fil-A, right? Chick-fil-A is a big deal in our world, and it still is because we didn't grow up with delicious chicken and healthy salads and play places for children, right? It just didn't exist there, and so I kind of pushed into the conversation. I said, well, why can't we go to Chick-fil-A? And I totally missed the social cue that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays, right? I just completely missed that point. And we could say, okay, so why is Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday? Your answer might be, well, we know that they're a Christian company, and so they live out those Christian values, which is absolutely true. But do you know what they say? They say this. They say that Chick-fil-A, we want to give our opportunities quality time to spend with their families. In other words, what they say, while we know their Christian values and they're not apologetic about that, what they say is that we so value rest in the rhythm and culture of our organization that as a for-profit business, we put into practice a command from 6,000 years ago that was written in a stone document, and we think that's the best way to do business. And I think they're doing okay for themselves, are they not? So what does that mean for us? Here's my simple point. Rest works. Rest for your soul works. Taking a break actually is more productive. Rest is a good thing. You ever stayed up two days in a row with no sleep? Parents of young children, you can't even raise your hand. You're too tired. I understand. (laughs) Your body doesn't work, right? Your brain stops functioning. You literally can't process information, right? Rest is good for your body, right? Those of you who are gym rats, right? Can you work out the same muscle group day in and day out every single day? Why not? You won't build muscle, right? You'll just keep tearing it down. Your muscle needs time to rest, to recuperate, to rebuild. How about at work? How many of you go, you know what, boss? Just schedule me every single weekend. Rest is for the week, right? I don't need to do that. I'm more productive if I just stay in the office 24-7. Nobody. If you are, I have counseling sessions available. We'll talk about it, right? Rest is good for us. It's good for our bodies. It's good for our productivity. And it is good for our souls. So in light of all of this information, the scripture and biblical commands, the real world application, how many of us could stand up and say, yeah, I'm pretty well rested? Not me. When it comes to my calendar, when it comes to a snow day, when it comes to taking an extra day to spend at home, I go, man, my calendar is just too full. I don't think I can swing it, right? We all have weekends, but weekends are for doing, are they not? Sports, birthday parties on top of birthday parties, events and plans and Saturday night and concerts, right? Like in my household, we need a team meeting to make it through the weekend more than I need a team meeting at my staff meeting. Like more happens on the weekends than in my place of business because weekends are just time on top of time. Is it just me? Do you all feel this way too? So what do we do with this command to rest? Hopefully, again, this church experience, the reason that you're here is to provide a tiny window of rest for your soul. And we want to provide space to just let you come to Jesus, to trade your busy, hectic, full life in for rest and ease, and to be reminded that while it is a command, while it is something that God instructs us to do, it's also a gift. It's an invitation to something greater. And I want to challenge us all to something greater this 
morning and also into some rhythms within our life as we work on these healthy habits that we've been talking about. So let's just define our terms real quick. Sabbath in the biblical vernacular is a 24-hour period in which no work is done. It's a 24-hour period of rest where no work is done. They went so far as to have 39 additional prohibited actions to say these things constitute as work. If we lived in Old Testament times, that meant that you would do all of your cooking, cleaning, preparation on the day before the Sabbath because when the sun went down, that was the holy day, and you couldn't cook, you couldn't clean. There are rules about whether or not you can push the elevator button today. Like All kinds of things exist that define Sabbath as work work. All of that to say this, that if we get too ingrained in this idea, what was meant to be life-giving and restful ends up becoming just another rule. Religion will kill your rest. Religion, religiosity, following things by the letter of the law will kill, it will sideline, it will hamstring any attempt to real rest that your soul is desiring. Jesus says as much in Mark 2.27, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Translation, the Sabbath is for you. It's a gift. It's an opportunity for you to trust in God and to rest, right? Because here's what happens. Here's, the, here's the, uh, the malicious nature of Sabbath, right? When you stop doing, what you do is you give testimony to the fact that God is God and that I am not. The world goes on without me, believe it or not, right? Someday it will. Your workplace will go on. It will endure without your contribution for a single day. And when we carve out that space, when we carve out a sacred moment where we give to God what he allows us to give back to him in the sense of rest and a gift, what we do is we proclaim our belief that we serve a God who is bigger than what we can simply produce on our own. That God is in charge of the universe, that he orders creation, and that we are subservient to him and we can set aside our will, our desire, our need for control, our striving for power, and we can just put that aside for one day a week and say, you know, what, God? You're in charge and I'm not. And it reorients the whole math problem that we do within our souls and our spirits and within our physical life. We're so called in our culture to push and to achieve and to grow and to do things to make something happen in the world. And God's simple call is not to say, don't do that, but it's to say, as you pursue that, remember the umbrella under which it falls, that you are mine and that I am God and you are not. Sabbath is an invitation to step into God's rule and reign in the world above us. So real quick, I just want to give you four points for what Sabbath is to let you define it, wrestle with it, and pull through it. So here's what Sabbath is. Sabbath is an invitation to stop. To stop striving, to stop working, to stop doing things all of the time. To sit to be still and know that he is God. Sabbath is an invitation to stop the crazy cycle, to have a moment to hear from God and to let him orient your steps. Secondly, Sabbath is for rest. It's an invitation to rest, to find rest for your souls. You get to take a day off. God says so, right? You literally can tell your boss that. I need a day off. God said so. And uh, legally, they have to let you. That's how it works. Um, 
Rest also involves recreating ourselves, right? Recreation, that term that we use to describe skiing and boating, all those fun things that we do, is centered in this idea of recreating our souls to be able to go and do the work that we were created to do. You can't rest all of the time, right? That will lead you down a different path that may or may not be God's intention for you, but we can take moments of rest to inspire us and cultivate the work within us. Sabbath is an invitation into that space of rest. Number three, delight. Sabbath is an invitation to enjoy the gifts and the creation that God gives us, to delight in him, in his graciousness to us, and to enjoy the things that he's given us. So often we work so hard and we push so hard that we can't even enjoy the rest that God gives us. Sabbath is an invitation to delight. Number four, Sabbath is an invitation to contemplate to think, to process through the complex emotions that drive us as people, to feel the full weight of what's going on in our life and to take space and take inventory to go, why do I feel that way? Should I feel that way? How should I then feel if it's not that way? How do I process through that? Who then is God in the midst of what I'm going through? And in a go, 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 push, push, push kind of world, we seldom take the opportunity to just think and contemplate what God has put in front of us and how it's affecting our souls. And I think church should be a place that we do this, and so we're going to do it today. So we're going to go back into an extended time of worship, and as we do that, I just have one question for you. Do you have a Sabbath? Do you have a 24-hour period where you don't strive, where you don't work, where you don't do all the things that you're required to do, but where you're able to just take from God and to rest and to find joy and to delight and to recreate yourself, do you have a Sabbath? Second follow-up point to that is, so what would a Sabbath entail for you? Right? We could go through the biblical definitions, right? Don't cook, no skinning animals, all those kinds of things. My guess is some of those won't apply to us today. So what does apply to us today? Let me be radical. Could you turn off your cell phone for one day? Nope, couldn't do that. That's a bad idea, Pastor. Could you turn off the TV? No Netflix, no movies. Could you play a board game like Monopoly? That'll take you a full Sabbath to get through, I'm telling you right now. (laughs) What do you need to do to carve out a space for rest? Because here's the deal, nobody's going to do this for you. Nobody at work is going to be like, I really think you need to manage your rest better. If they do, they might be transitioning you out. (laughs) Nobody's going to fight for your ability to have soul care. Not because they don't care, but because our world values it so little. What we value is productivity and pushing and getting through all the things that we have to get through. So what do you need in your life to carve out the space for rest that God not only gives to you as a gift, but requires from you? Because when we don't act in that way, what we're telling God is, hey, you know what, I appreciate what you've set out, but I'm actually better. I know you did six days, and then you took a day off, but I don't need that. I can push forward a little bit harder. Anybody feel up for that conversation? I didn't think so. Sabbath is a gift. It's for your good. And so today we're going to take the rest of our time to worship. And I just want to invite you into that space of letting this time and this place be for God. It may not be 24 hours, but it's at least the next 30 minutes or so. So carve out for yourself a space and a time and to go through this list and go, where do I need to stop? Where do I need to rest? To contemplate and think about the delight that God has for us.
You may want to sit as you worship. You may want to come up to the altar and kneel. You may want to stand. You may want to spread out a little bit just to get some space. You may want to come up and take communion. I'll give instructions for that here in just a bit. You may connect best with God through nature, and our property backs up to a big old green space, and you might just want to take a hike and think. Don't take a hike, literally. My apologies. You might want to go out and walk in nature. Just be back by 1110 or so to pick up your kids, and that's just fine. But the point being, what do you need to carve out a space of rest? And we want to give it to you today. Sabbath is important. Rest is important. And we marginalize it so much. And I want to challenge us as a community, you as an individual, how do we find rest for our souls? We come to Jesus. We enter into spaces like this. And we fight for moments and opportunity of God-given rest for our souls. The band's going to come up. They're going to lead us as they do that. I just want to draw your attention to the communion tables on either side. We practice open communion here, which means so long as you're in proper relationship with Jesus, you are invited to partake. We view it as a means of grace for you, which means even if this is a step for you towards God, you are welcome and accepted at the table. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. All of you eat it. He also took a cup, which was already on the table of wine, and he poured it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remissions of sin. As we think about the rest that God gives us, I want to draw your correlation between what we've talked about today and between that night before Jesus' suffering. Jesus died so that you could take a break in some respects. That's not all he did. His sacrifice did so much more for that. But when we deny what God has asked us, given us, required us to do, part of what Jesus died for us is missed. So today, as you worship, as you take space to recreate your soul, to buy yourself a little bit of breathing room to find rest for your souls, I would encourage you over these next four or five songs that we sing to find yourself at the communion table. I'm not going to give dismissal instructions. You guys can come up as you have need and as you have opportunity, but the table is open. Let me pray for us and then we'll worship together. God, we need your rest. It's hard for us sometimes. And God, we simply want to give you the honor and glory due to you. So God, would you challenge us to find rest for our souls? Lord knows we all need it, and yet we so, so few times come to you to find it. God, we're here now. Many of us are desperate for rest. And so God, would you meet us here in this place, at this time, in this moment? All God's kids said,